This disturbing and dark episode contains adult language, mature situations, ultra-violence, ultra-politics, ultra-craziness, psychic battles, goons and clown makeup, crazy cults, and the future world of Neo-Tokyo. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 297, straight from Japan, not kids stuff. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Manga Review, some podcasts and vain reviews about connectly enhanced narratives. This is your host Zan saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, what's up? Yes, we are back for another episode of the Spark and Podcast. And more important than that, we are almost at episode 300. And I am so excited to be there because, well, it's been a while, it's been a long ride and we are nowhere near done. But if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Sparkin is a podcast that provides informative reviews about connectly enhanced narratives. Every episode, I'll talk about one or two manga titles and tell you the pros and cons about it. How the art style is, the characters are, the design, the historical impact, and if it's worth investing in your time in or not. You don't have to agree with anything that I and my co-hosts say, but we try to be informative, educational, entertaining, and most importantly, impartial. You can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spiraken.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Apple Music, Spotify, Player.fm, Stitcher, YouTube, and several other social media sites. Just type in the search bar S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N, and I guarantee you'll find us one way or another. Now that that's out of the way, if you want to do something really awesome, definitely message me, comment, let send me a direct message, or tag me, whatever. And if you really want, have a question, or if you want me to add something to the podcast, you want me to change something, or if you want to know something basic about it, you can email me personally at X-A-N, that's Zan, at Spirekin.com. Now, but that's out of the way, let's get to the podcast at hand. Because if you remember from the last episode, I spun that one, not only, the Wheel of Manga. It dictated on to be there reviewing a very intriguing manga, a very classic manga. Actually, one which is arguably the reason why manga became super upsurged outside of Japan. Especially because a certain edition of it was colorized and it was released when the film adaptation of this manga was released. It's won several insane awards, including the Kodansha Manga Award, the Harvey Award. It's super popular in France. Marvel Comics actually made an English version of this. So it is a very large pedigree. Now, it was written by Katsuhiro Otomo, a very famous mangaka. He worked on a series called Domu, which is about an old man who was crazy with psychic powers. And this was published by Kodansha in Japan, but over here is released by, like I said, Epic Comics, who's owned by Marvel. You have Madman Comics in Australia, Titan Books in the UK, and over here has been re-released in a special Ultimate Edition by Kodansha Comics. And the Ultimate Edition is a huge undertaking because the Tankoban for these mangas are 600 pages each. So while it says Volume 1, Volume 1 is like 10 mangas put together. Now, this is a Senen series that was released in Young Magazine in 1982 to 1990. There are six volumes. There is the movie adaptation, which came out in 88. And this is a post-apocalyptic, cyberpunk, dystopian, political thriller known only as Akira. Now, if you've never seen Akira or read Akira, well, one, on if you are a manga snob or a film snob, you'd be like, how, how have you not heard of Akira? It is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It has such a great uh, 
showing of that comics and manga are two different things. This is one of the best general mangas of all time, considerably. It's won so many awards. And so many writers, including Susan Napier, have described this book as a no-holds-barred instrument of fluidity and chaos. It helped introduce so many people to the to manga and anime. I mean, if you look at the movie Blade Runner, you can see some of the influence from that in this. Also, this laid the groundwork for things like Ghost in the Shell, Armitage III, The Matrix, and so many other important science fiction properties. And like I said, if this had never been released, and released, anime would never come to the United States. This was what was the groundbreaking series that brought it out into the forefront. Made it not just, oh, those are cartoons for kids. I mean, I really doubt that Yoshaki Kawajiri would have been able to release something that good. I mean, he's insane, but it's not the same impact as this, as Akira. And this manga has influenced so many mangaka, including the creator of Naruto, and so many other mangaka. Now, me personally, I am not as in love with this manga as most people do. I find the manga at times reprehensible. I find it kind of dark, but I am willing to acknowledge that this is a series which is so groundbreaking and important. You have to discuss it. Now, if you've seen the anime, you know what this story is about to a point. Because it is the premise of that in the future, on December 6th, in the far distant year of 1982, a nuclear explosion destroys Japan and starts World War III. Everyone nukes each other, and now in the far distant year of 2019, a new city called Neo-Tokyo is built on an artificial island in Tokyo Bay. Now, because of reasons, their city is gripped with anti-government terrorism, gang violence, and just pure anarchy in general. The Politicians are all corrupt. The gang members are just trying to cut a piece of land and survive. And it's a very turmoil time in the world to live in. And one of the groups that are driving around are the Bozokuku gang, the Pill Gang, which is led by Shotaro Kaneda and his best friend Tetsuo Shima. Two best friends who they just want to ride their bikes, drive around, and have a good time. And also defend their turf from the evil Joker gang. That is their motivation. Until one day after a motorcycle accident, it's discovered that Tetsuo has psychic abilities. And the government picks him up and they take him away. Now, due to his own inferiority complex, he starts to gain insane amounts of power. Because they increase his latent psychic ability. But as you know, with great power either comes great responsibility or absolute power corrupts absolutely and unfortunately because he has such inferiority towards his best friend Kaneda he becomes a horrific monster with psychic abilities from this point it becomes this giant mess where Kaneda gets involved with this member of a terrorist organization and they're going to try to rescue Kaneda but when he tries to rescue sorry not Kaneda Tetsuo when he goes to rescue Tetsuo Tetsuo is like I don't need you anymore I'm more powerful than you are and it becomes a huge battle between these two friends. Until it's discovered there is a more powerful psychic. The mysterious Akira. Who everyone talks about. Oh Lord Akira you will come. You will 
you will bring about a change in this world. And everyone is trying to discover who this Akira is. And as you find out, he was a psychic from back in the 80s who, he's the reason why that nuclear explosion happened. It wasn't a nuclear explosion, it was a psychic blast that leveled Tokyo. So Akira is all powerful. And Tetsuo decides, I'm going to find him and use him to get lots of power. That would work. And from here, here's where the movie and the manga diverge. If you watch the movie, you know he finds a secret underground lab underneath the stadium in old Tokyo. He pulls it up and there's a bunch of organs because they killed Akira and then they dissected him. In the manga, it is very different. He pulls it up and underneath is a cryogenically frozen little boy. This is Akira. And Akira is someone who is He's essentially a mindless god. He sits there and he does things. Uh, Tetsuo ends up becoming his vassal. And then they cause another explosion leading to the true parts of the story. Because years after this super explosion, Neo-Tokyo is destroyed and becomes the great Tokyo Empire. And now you have three factions fighting over this city. You have the remnants of the government, who do, like the colonel and three other people. You have this other psychic lady Mayako who's created her own cult who's trying to take over the city and then you have Tetsuo and Akira and their great Tokyo Empire now there are psychic battles there's psychic orgies there's drug use there's murder there's violence there's giant people turning into giant babies there's a whole existential crisis of what is reality and what makes a person a person and Kaneda disappears for three volumes now the entire first part I told you about where it's about Kaneda and Tetsuo and him learning psychic abilities, that takes place in the first volume, and there are six volumes. Like I said, there are 600 pages of volume. So this is very in-depth. I haven't even gotten to some of the other aspects, like the, like the Soul Satellite, a satellite that the government tries to use to kill Tetsuo and Kaneda, and all it does is it takes off Tetsuo's arm, and then he takes control of it, and hilarity and violence ensues. Now... This series does not follow one protagonist. It goes all over the place. The, the anime focuses on Tetsuo and Kaneda and their relationship. In the manga, it goes from them to the various other characters. It goes to the colonel, who is someone who's just trying to keep control of Tokyo and just make sure that nothing bad happens there. You have the various espers and their motivations. Besides Akira and Tetsuo, you have... Uh, Kyoko, this Esper, is so weak she's confined to a bed and she is precognitive. You have the kid who caused the accident, Takeshi, who he has psychokinesis. He's very soft-spoken, but he could blast things. Then you have Masuro, this fat kid who he has a little bit braver psychokinesis, but he can use it to a more fine degree. You're talking power. Takeshi has more, but Masaru has more control over his abilities. You have all these other characters who are involved. Like I said, you have Lady Miyako, who's a former test subject, who's now a high priestess, who's trying to create her own war. You have Kay, a girl who, let's be honest, Kaneda follows and is into because he wants to screw her, and she ends up becoming a equally powerful psychic and one of the main characters for three volumes. And 
these characters that are all multifaceted and I the the story itself is intriguing and engaging and disturbing. At one point, one of the most pivotal scenes, which if they put in the movie, it would have been mind blowing. That's always rallying up his crowd and he's they're holding this rally to get the great Tokyo Empire more faithful. And Tetsuo ends up being told, do it by Akira, because he's kind of puppeting Akira a little bit, but Akira says, do it. And Tetsuo teleports to the moon and he blows a giant hole in it using his power. That's just his personal power because he is pretty powerful. And then that leads to him actually starting to absorb things with his telekinetics. He's, he's contorting his physical bodies, absorbing pieces of metal, pieces of stone. And this is him abusing his powers, and it's getting a little bit... That's when you start seeing him being all creepy and strange. Now, the story is engaging, intriguing, inventive, and very compelling. But I'm going to be honest, I hate the art style. I hate uh, Otomo's art style. I think it's ugly, it's crass, and it's just uncomfortable. I mean, there are scenes which are, of, which are definitely body horror and they're impactful, but I find them grotesque. Like when Tetsuo kills a bunch of orderlies who are just trying to stop him, they just explode. I mean, it's, while it's, as a violence person, it's very wee, but it's, it's, it's gross. It's, the manga would be described as nihilistic. And it's very pessimistic at times. And it's, a, it's an attack on, the establishment. And it shows like all these signs of the dystopian city are just showing how lost the the world is and how lost the characters are. And it's it's a commentary on Japanese society at the time in the 80s. I mean, there was theories of overcrowding, there was uh, people who wanted to rebel against authority, there's control methods that the government was using. And there was the passage of time of being an adolescent and growing up into a person. That's what this manga focuses on. I do like the fact that despite all the additional things, the fact that it has psychic characters, has these individuals who abuse psychic abilities, it's literally not the central part of the, the story. It's The central part is these um, just the political machinations of this. It's all the politics because you have all the different groups fighting for control and you have all of the underlying plots upon plots upon schemes. And also the big, the very big message that government corruption and ineffectiveness is a very big thing in the world. That governments, they're corrupt, but at the end of the day, they don't do anything and maybe you need to do something. This could be a call to arms. I could see that, but... I don't know, and perhaps I should go deeper into this, into the social commentary, but I think that would give me an aneurysm. This is something for another day, and definitely I think I will do that when we review the actual anime itself. And as I said, I find this manga understandably a pivotal piece of work. However, I do not like it. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I found the film grotesque, and I just, the manga, I just... I don't know. It's hard for me to explain. This is me being, I know I said I would be non-biased and impartial, but I can't be impartial because I don't like the art style. 
And I don't like some of the elements of it. I don't like the the concept of one the one character that Tetsuo relies on is essentially a rape victim who he raped, but she survived, so he's she's his anchor to the world. So he's like, I need your help, but I'm gonna do horrible things to you. It's he's not a compelling character. Not he's not not that he's a compelling character. Let me phrase it. He's not a redeemable character. He's a horrible person, and what happens to him. He justly deserves, I think. Now, with that in mind, while I do say I hate the art style, as a completionist and as the layouts, because, yes, the character design is terrible, and I hate the character design. I hate some of the horrific images. The background images are spot on, and that's actually why I want to get the box set with the hardcovers and the art book because it has all of the art designs for the backgrounds and the backgrounds are astounding and amazing. And as a sci-fi fan, it's this is one of the quintessential reads. This is the neuromancer of the manga world. You have to read it at least once. So for that reason, I'm going to have to give the rating for Akira even though I don't like it. They borrow from a friend and don't return unless offered Pocky. It is really good. It is really, really good. It has a great, great story that transcends time. It has a great uh, situations which occur that are have laid the groundwork for other sci-fi series. And it's a series which will have you thinking afterwards. It's not just a, we're going to shoot things and blow things up. Ha, ha, ha. No, there's actually a whole multi-layered nature to it. Now, the other reason why, besides the artwork that I have dropped this, is because it takes place in the far distant year of 1982. Yeah, it's dated. It's really dated. There are no cell phones. There are no, there are no Walkmans. There are no CD players. It's dated. And it shows. But on the other hand, because it was a post-apocalyptic world, you can kind of forgive it. But it is dated when you see it's in the far distant year of 19... Uh, 82 through 2019. And 2019's happening in six months. I don't think we're going to have the great Kanto quake in the great Neo, the, the Neo Tokyo. We might. I could be wrong. But I hope I'm wrong. But And I hope I'm right that there, there doesn't have anything. But I do digress. So, if you disagree with my assessment of Akira, email me. Zansparker.com. Tell me what you think. I'd love to have a dialogue. So now the question is, how can I follow up this amazing manga that is Akira? Well, we're going to find out because it's that part you've all been waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that one. That only. The Yes, friends, a wheel of manga, except no subject. Now, what is the wheel of manga? The wheel of manga is a wheel of fortune with 10 slots on it, and I've assigned a manga tile to each of the 10 slots. So I'm going to spin the wheel of manga, whatever number it lands on that's reviewing the next episode of the Spark and Manga Review. And we're almost there, folks. Three away. So let's spin and see what we're going to review in the next episode, shall we? Number two. So, in the next episode, ooh, we're going to be reviewing one of my favorite mangas of all time. A manga which, let's be honest, it's one which has made me change my opinion about sports mangas. It's one which is truly 
an astounding series. One which is just, it's that one we talk about. I'm talking about Hajime no Ippo, The Fighting Spirit. Story of Ippo Makunochi and his journey to become the best of the best. But we'll talk about that in the next episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you guys have a great day. This is your host, Zan.